CEOs can build up a business from nothing or turn around a company that is on the verge of bankruptcy. Inspired by their relentless drive, strong leadership, and innovation that can turn entire industries on their heads, they are dynamos of our economy. What is the X factor that ensures a CEO's success? Casey Chesiana seeks to uncover the unique personality traits, business acumen, and leadership values that have turned CEOs into captains of industry. Based on extensive research and focus interviews with the leaders of some of South Africa's top companies, including Vodacom, Budvest, Capitec Bank, RMB, Dischem, Discovery Health, Netbank, Sunlum, Momentum, Curo, Harmony Gold and MTN, Chasina's book takes us to the heart of corporate South Africa. In this episode of PageCast, we have the pleasure of listening to Casey in conversation with Roland Motaung, avid reader, book reviewer, founder, educator, and facilitator at Triumph Education. Enjoy this episode of PageCast. Welcome to everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in to our latest PageCast for Jonathan Ball. And today I'm quite excited. I'm looking at a wonderful book. I met this gentleman at Kingsmead Book Fair a couple of weeks ago, and he wrote a wonderful book called The CEO X Factor, Secrets for Success from South Africa's Top Money Makers. And of course, I'm talking about KC Chasana. And my name is Roland Simpi Mutawung. I'll be the facilitator for today's conversation. I am an entrepreneur. I run an education uh, business. I am also a book reviewer. I love books. I love reading. And I love talking about business. I love talking about the growth of the economy and how exactly can we go about that. So hence, I'm quite excited by today's conversation. And I would like to welcome in Casey Chesana. Good morning. How are you? Morning, morning. I'm well. Just a bit cold here in Joburg today, but uh, otherwise uh, it's a Friday. So <laughs> yeah, Friday is, uh, is, is a happy day. Of course. And it's a happy day because we're talking books, we're talking business, we're talking leadership. When I first saw or heard of the book, it reminded me of other business books that we've seen in terms of a compilation of different voices, different uh, key figures. There's been ones with Chris uh, Bishop, which spoke about, you know, the Forbes, uh, Africa's uh, billionaires. There is a latest one where he speaks of uh, BE billionaires. There's another one on ANC billionaires also. Mm. But what yeah. caught my mind was another book by Jeremy Max called Win, mm. where mm. he put together different figures, sort of figures from different industries. And when I saw your book, The CEO X Factor, it spoke a little bit around that to say, here are these uh, powerful figures, but what are their secrets to success? What are some of the ingredients to mm. success? And I know you have drafted a book, also your first book, which was uh, on CFOs. And then now you're looking at CEOs. So take yeah. us through on that. Why the yeah. decision to embark on this particular book? So the CFO book, the reason why I wrote the CFO book is because I'm a financial reporting expert, and that's the area that I deal with from my background point of view. I'm an accountant, so 
I was dealing with CFOs on a daily basis, or rather I still do. And I thought that these are really the the guys in the back room, the guys in the shadows, the guys in the engine room who are driving these companies, but they don't get any much of the they don't get much of the credit. A lot of them have really good stories to tell from given their backgrounds and some of the crises that they've had to endure. And so that's when I decided I'm going to write a book about uh, CFOs. The book was quite well received in the market. My publisher, Jonathan Ball, was quite happy with the success of the book. And uh, then there was the idea that we should maybe do a CEO book because we don't have any that have recently come out that not just profile CEOs, but tries to pick their brains to find out what are the success factors. So because Masters of Money, my first book, featured basically 30 chartered accountants out of 31. There was one guy who wasn't a chartered accountant. The CEOs is much broader and gives greater detail that would be of interest to more than just people who are interested in the world of finance. And so um, that's how I ended up writing the CEO book. It was also a natural transition because could then be able to ask a CFO to recommend a CEO to you for you to interview. All right. Wonderful. It's one of those generic, natural and expected progression because if you are in an organization, the CFO will have that link to the CEO. And I'm just wondering, will your next book be about what? COOs? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, funny but, enough, I was asked the same question yesterday. Someone asked me whether I'm going to go and now write about CIOs uh, or what will it be? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, look, look, I'm working on a, a next book right now. Uh, it's it's very different from the fold that I had with the current two books that I've written. So the book that I'm working on at the moment is um, a biography. It's a biography of my brother who I lost about a year ago today. So I'm writing it as a personal project, which then I intend to use the proceeds from the sale of that book to his children's uh, education. So I haven't thought as far as in terms of a corporate business book that I will write. Um, one thing I can't say for sure is, you know, once I'm done with this personal project, I definitely am going to write uh, a book because, you know, I think once you've beaten the bug of being an author, you know, I mean, you just keep going. And it's something that I do as a, I'd say I do it as a as a hobby, really, because as I said, I have a I have a day job. It's something that you know when I'm feeling like doing something. Other people, you know, ride bikes, some play golf, and so on. For me, it's to jump behind a computer and write something. It's something that I've always done uh, since the time I was in in high school, writing plays and poems mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So that mixture of the creative space, where now you are in accounting and you're dealing with numbers. Yeah. It's quite quite an interesting balance that you have there. So now going back into the book itself, I want to know, I'll come back into your your space as an author just now. I just want to know now in terms of the common attributes that you came to see as you were busy with the interviews. I think you looked at about 31 South African CEOs, uh, big, big corporations. What were some of those common yeah. attributes, common characteristics? Yeah. The book is called CEO X Factor because it's trying to identify what is the X factor that makes these individuals successful, right? And I asked them and some of them would say something and I'd ask them then to give me evidence 
of that being uh, something that they've applied in their professional careers, right? And it differs from different CEOs. There are some who have, they agree on one thing, right? Maybe like three of them would agree. Like, you know, honestly, the for me, the, the critical success factor is perhaps being authentic or being having integrity. Um, if you don't have integrity, you're, you're never going to go far. Others have mentioned that, you know, the secret to success is being able to pick out the right teams, pick out uh, the right people to surround yourself with, either from an upward or downwards or sideways. So upwards, you're looking at mentors, you're looking at the right uh, bosses to tag along, the right people to learn from. Sideways, the kind of colleagues that you can use who bring skill sets that you yourself don't have, as well as the people that you manage getting the best out of the people that are below you. And that is really the secret to success. The one thing that I like was explained by the SARS commissioner, um, former CEO of Alexander Forbes, who's one of our, uh, one of the people that I interviewed for the book, uh, Professor Edward Kisweta. He says that X factor is a situational thing, right? So it's not, it depends on what situation you are in. If, for example, you're given a South African Airways to turn around like um, Thomas Kokolo, who I feature in the book, the kind of skill sets and the, the kind of factors that you rely on in order to uh, attributes that will be necessary for you to be successful are going to be di- very different from uh, say a situation where you are um, Pumi Madisa who's been given uh, Bitvest. Uh, so Pumi is also another person who I, I feature, you know, first female black CEO of a top 40 JC company. So she has a different challenge, right, from someone who has the challenge of SAA, which is turn around, flights have been grounded, the airline is under business rescue, and you are the person to negotiate with pilots pay them, get them back in the air, get your uh, airline license and so on. It's very different from someone who's coming to this colossus that is Bitvest that's been running for, you know, 40 years that's, you know, in across different industries and is basically flying high and you must keep that plane uh, up in the air. Um, it, it's a different prospect. So you find that the X factor is is different. Uh, from CEO to CEO and situation to situation. There's no silver bullet that you can say, hey, Roland, if you just have this thing, then you're sorted. Uh, you're going to be successful. There are different attributes that, that come around uh, from the book. Wonderful. What I also saw in terms of that, that it's, it's so much color in terms of the spectrum of those attributes. This one speaks about simplicity. This one speaks about this. This one speaks about that. And, and I wonder also from an industry point of view, because you look at a lot of industries in the book, mm. what was your selection process mm. like? There's a mixture yeah. of gender, there's a mixture of race, like how you speak yeah. now, the first black female CEO at a big corporation. Mm. So there's a lot of a mix of, yeah. di- like it's, it's diverse in terms of yeah. what it touches yeah. on. Selection yeah. process, how did you go about that? So you're right about that. Diversity was one uh, key element. I needed to make sure that if I'm talking about CEOs, it's not, I don't have, um, you know, 60 year old uh, white males, uh, 31 of them in the book, right? Because their, their perspective will be, I mean, of course, they've got a wealth of experience. A lot of them um, basically uh, would be able to give you a lot of success factors as some of them have. 
right? But it would then be a perspective from that, from just them and, you know, their kind of experiences, which are quite similar. So I was looking for similar, I was looking for diverse representation. So women needed to make sure that I had women in the book, which was uh, one of the challenges that also arises mm -hmm. because when you're looking for a CEO, if there's a, a field full of CEOs, if you throw a stone, you're likely to hit a, a, a male um, because I think on the JSC, you're looking at something like 6% um, CEOs. And when you're looking at black females, for example, I mean, female CEOs, and we're looking at black females, it's even, it's even smaller. So, uh, that, that, that was also a challenge. Um, so that was part of the selection process, looking at diversity. Then, as you say, industry diversity was also very important because you don't want to just focus on banks. Then actually your book should be success factors for banking CEOs, right? And that will only appeal to people uh, who perhaps are pursuing a career in financial services. So it was to look also at diverse uh, type of industry. So I've got the motor industry there. I've got, you know, the, the, the airline industry, as I've mentioned. I've got Discovery Health. I've got Bitvest who's in everything. You know, I've got uh, banks, as mentioned, Barlow World, um, you name it. So uh, even education um, with the with the founder and, and uh, CEO of Kuro. So... Also, um, I was looking for people who, uh, I suppose are not scandal ridden, right? I mean, you, you, you didn't know everything about someone, but, um, you can imagine if I wrote this book five years ago, one of my headline, uh, people was Marcus Euster of, um, of Steinhoff, right? You know, yeah. then I'm there in the book praising him and talking about how successful he is. It would be quite unfortunate then to have a whole chapter talking about how how well he has he has done and then it, it all turns out to be a fraud well fingers crossed that none of the people that have interviewed <laughs> have you know hidden things in the closet it's very hard to get everything when you're doing you know a one-hour interview with an individual and you're doing background research and speaking to people who know the person uh, obviously something can be missed but if there's anything that was outrightly evident that is defective about one of the interviewees then that you know i cross them off the list and then obviously roland uh, it's all about availability so there are people that you may have wanted to interview for 31 people it means that i approached you know over maybe a hundred of them um yeah. and some are just never available you know they've got board meetings they've got flights to go to meet investors in london i mean the last thing that they have uh that they can put in their diaries one hour with this guy called casey so for some of them it was also an availability thing um if someone was available then yes um, let me try and see what i can make of it sure any rejections yeah <laughs> there are people who say you know like uh look i'm not uh uh, I mean, like the CEO of Investec, I had the CFO, group CFO was in my first book, Masters of Money. The group CEO just said, uh, you know, Casey, I'd love to help, but um, I'm just too busy. I um, just have too mm -hmm. much on my plate to be able to, to, to speak to you about a book. The CEO of Life, the CEO of MTN, you know, those are people I would have loved to have in my book. And maybe you're talking about the next book. Maybe that would be a second edition. Some of them yeah. were just too hectic. And, you know, we've got publishing deadlines. I started writing this book in um, April 2022, and everything had to be done by December 2022. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about eight months, and you don't know what's going sure. on in the life of someone during those eight months, right? So... 
it's not only that I need to interview you, I need to go through a process of interviewing, I need to do some background research, I need to put together the article, need to send it to the publisher, needs to give me comments, we need to clear the comments and so on. So it's a, it's a long process. So if you come back to me, say in um, in December, middle of December, then chances are we may not be able to squeeze in your, your chapter. Sure. Wow. So, so eight months, and and just just to pick on that, this 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 process of writing the book, right? Because because you mentioned earlier that the the writing skill is in there. It's it's innate. Something that you've been doing since high school. So, yeah. but I would imagine the mental space that you have to be in in order to actually put a a, a article together, a chapter together. Uh, yeah. Like now you're talking about the challenges of availability, the access to these big, big CEOs. So take yeah. us through that process of, of writing the book in yeah. that eight months yeah. and eventually mm-hmm. having a final product. So great thing, Roland, was that having written the first book, it gave me a real learning curve. So when I did the first book, I mean, it was my it was my first book. Right. So I didn't really know. Um, I was still learning the process, right? I was learning, okay, so what does the publisher want me? How do, do I write this? And there were mistakes then I learned along the way, and that helped me with my second book. So writing the first book, I, for instance, would schedule an interview. I interview the person. I spend too much time on one thing, and then I have to go back and try and get another hour with the person, which is hard to get, um, and so on. So now... I was able to, you know, sharpen my perspective. So with Masters of Money, you know, it's, it's quite, it doesn't go down to one particular thing like the CEO X factor, which says, okay, fine. I'm not really interested so much in, you know, how many degrees this guy has. What's most important is, yes, we accept he's successful. He's in the public domain. What is his success factor? And let's get that. And that's what the book is about. So it was a bit sharper. So the process, of course, is to use a multi-pronged way of getting hold of someone. That includes if I'm looking for, say, someone at MTN, find out, do I know someone at MTN who's in management? You know, ask around, try and get someone's email address, send them an email. If you can connect with them on LinkedIn, well, you get someone's email, ask them to introduce you because, of course, there is protection of personal information act so you can't just cold call people if you can be able to get their phone number great give them a call try and uh, get hold of them uh, and tell them who you are what you do send them a whatsapp you know so using different methods once you get the person you obviously have to conduct the interview once i conducted the interview one thing i learned is that i need to get that interview on paper on the same day or the next day. While it's still fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. I've made some good notes. I can be able to put it on paper and at least I have something to work on. And then later on now, I can use that paper to go and edit and just chop and change, put in some quotation marks here, uh, put in some additional information that I've got. And then you send that through to your publisher. I have a wonderful publisher in Annie Olifir from Jonathan Ball. She would then review it and send through some comments, right? And one thing that I did with Masters of Money that I didn't do so much with CEO X Factor is with the Masters of Money, uh, every article went back to the person I interviewed and then they had an opportunity to give their input. Now, the good thing with that is that if there's any inaccuracies, they can be able to fix it. But the bad thing about it is that a lot of them ended up taking out some of the good stuff. 
uh, or they ended up, you know, chopping and changing and putting wording that is not my voice using their own voice. I had someone who actually took my article and gave it to, to their PR person who went and wrote their own thing and sent it back to me and said, this is the approved chapter, which was written in whole corporate speak, took out everything that I'd written. And that was a bit of a fight. So with the CEO X factor, one of the things that I did was not so much uh, seek approval. Of course, I, I, some people asked to, to see a transcript of what they, they said, and I would gladly send that through to them to say, you know, I interviewed you. This is what I documented from the interview. You can then tell me uh, if some of the wording is incorrect. Yeah. So, um, so that I did do, but, um, the work was then basically focused on what the reader wants to, to, to know, not necessarily what the subject of the interview would like to convey. So some of the things that they think are important, none of the readers cares about. So, I mean, Roland, you might have a pet, a good dog that you have, uh, that you love and you want me to, to talk about it and put a picture in my book, but none of my readers cares about that. So, um, you need to make sure that you, you actually focus on the people who are going to spend their 200, 300 rand on buying your book and what they are looking for. Wonderful. Look, I have to commend you. Eight months, 31 CEOs, PR people, PA people. It's CEOs. You can't just knock and send a WhatsApp at 12 o'clock to say, Hey, I have an idea for this and that. So, so I think, um, what you have done here, it's incredible, incredible work with the other books that I mentioned earlier, where, you know, it's 20 entrepreneurs or 30 people. And, and with a primary source approach, not like relying on the internet or relying on YouTube and so forth, but that direct engagement is quite commendable. And I think you yeah. came up with something fantastic here. And you, yeah. you mentioned readers, you mentioned that the language, you don't want it to be a corporate speak. You, yes. you are thinking about your, your audience. Cause when I was reading this also, I was quite, I was quite excited because I'm also thinking about my own students. We, I deal yeah. with university students, uh, undergrads yeah. and, and honors. And, and we always, you know, suggest and recommend literature that you can read that is easy to consume uh, straight to the point. And, and you mentioned that you say you, you wanted shorter chapters, which is what the book has. Yes. Uh, lots of practical yeah. examples, uh, yeah. relatable language. So your your decision around that, the tone of the book, yeah. and 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 yeah. who is this book for? Who are you targeting? Yeah, yeah, great. So um, in terms of the tone of the book and how the book is structured, I think also part of it comes from my history. Before I was writing books, I used to publish uh, a magazine. So I had two magazines. One was the Expatriate magazine, which used to look at the contribution of professionals of of other parts of from other parts of Africa uh, to the South African uh, space. I also had uh, the African Professional and the South African Professional Services Awards. So those were really focused on in on people, and it was short and sweet um, articles that I used to write. The other reason why, and I talked touch on it in the introduction. The other reason why the book is the way it is is because if you look at, for example, Mteto Nyati or you look at Nimpini Mabunda, they've got one book. They've got a book that they've written about themselves, right? Um, and uh, it's great. I mean, they've got good books, like they're, they're bestseller books, but they tell you the perspective of one individual. I was trying to get the top thought 
from Mteto, the top thought from Nimpini. Go get down and tell me your number one uh, thing that you think is the reason for your success or your num- number one piece of advice, right? And um, yeah. that is what I was trying to get. So I get the number one piece from 31 people uh, because if I ask you, Roland, you know, you uh, you, you run a, a school, you have students, tell me your number one uh, thing that you need to focus on, um, you know, that I'd need to get it. You, you then go to the main thing that I need to know. Your first idea top of the head is the greatest thing. Secondly, um, I think the readability comes through because of the short chapters, because I, I always say this, I did this with Masters of Money and the CEO X Factor. Why are they 31? It's 31 because the average month has got 31 days in it. So I tell people, listen, you can get through my book in one month quickly because you'll read, you know, five pages per day, right? That's easy. Before bed, you can be able to flip through, vroom, 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 you'll be done. And in a month, yeah, 31 days, if you start now, uh, July is coming, July has 31 days, you'll be done with my book. So I like that. And then, uh, so I, so I liked, I liked that kind of structure and, Leadership, business leadership is not a simple concept, right? It's a difficult concept to grasp, right? Because um, it's business. You're talking with people who might use certain heavy terminology. There's a lot to learn. So, for example, if you're reading about uh, Discovery Health and their thinking, there's a lot to learn. They've been through COVID as a business. They've been through, you know, vaccination. They've been through, uh, there's many things that Discovery Health has been through, Right. And uh, how do I then uh, digest the story and get understand one Ryan Noche's thinking, how he has been innovative, learn about that and learn about the business and understand it. You eat an elephant in small chunks, right? So you'd have to Mm -hmm. chop it up. So that's part of the reason why you try and chop it up. And to be honest, we are living in an age where people are into quick and fast, right? So... That's why social media is so great. People are all into, you know, uh, Twitter, right? Tell me in X number of characters what the message is and let me get it quickly. People digest things quickly. That's why um, you find that, you know, publishing is, a, is is becoming a difficult industry, not just because of the medium, but because of the amount of content people want to. There's too much choice. Let's put it that way. So when you're watching TV back in the day, Roland, uh, I don't know how old you are, but if you grew up like, like me, uh, we only had one or two channels where you had to watch what was there. And right, that's that's what you watched when you came home. Uh, it didn't matter if you are the father of the baby or whatever who you are. Right now, there's, uh, you know, Netflix has got profiles for me, my wife, my uh, my nanny, my kids. They all have different profiles and they all have different choices that they can watch on different devices. So also when we write, we need to make sure that when we write, we are also straight to the point and people can switch from one thing to the other. You can move quickly uh, from, you know, looking at uh, motors uh, where they're dealing with the motor industry to go to, you know, me- me- momentum metropolitan uh, from one black guy to one white woman uh, uh, CEO and a totally different industry and, you know, get it quick and quick and fast. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I I love the the way you say 31 CEOs average month 31 days. So it's 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 quite practical because yes. it's true. There's just too many things happening at the same time. And one yeah. of the things I do as a book reviewer also is to think about that to say if I'm going to review a book that is like 500 pages, 
will someone actually get through that within what a couple of months or a year so i like that yeah. you thought about the reader you thought about the the context that we live in mm. uh, that things are just fast 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 so speaking of netflix <laughs> are there any like quirky unexpected attributes you found from the ceos because there's this assumption that ACOs are very serious. Yeah. It's all about the yeah. bottom line. It's all about, yeah. you know, the sales figures. Any interesting yeah. nuggets that you yeah. found that keeps the CEOs going? Well, there's lots of interesting stuff uh, that I picked up. I mean, um, there are interesting people. People think they are very serious. And one thing that I asked them was, you know, uh, tell me something that's surprising about you. So you find like Pumi, she has uh, like her policy in life. Her, she, she listened to Michael Jackson and the, the, the song Can't Beat is like her, her motto because she believes no one can beat her, right? So yeah, whatever she does, uh, whether she's playing 30 seconds with friends or playing Monopoly with her kids, she's those ones who believe that, no, you can't beat me and it doesn't matter who you are, I'm going for the win. So she has a real winning attitude. She'll tell you like when she gets home, people think that she's reading the but the financial times, but she'll be watching uh, soapies because it just helps her. She'll be watching the wife and that really just uh, takes her totally away from, from all the, the serious stuff that people, people believe that they do. So there were some um, interesting things about, about people. Someone like Mteto Nyati, he says, you know, people think that, you know, when you're thinking about this, you know, black professional being CEO of, of Microsoft being the CEO of Altron. He's a CEO of, he was a CEO of MTN South Africa, now chairman of BSG. You'll think that, wow, that is someone who will tell you how he was an A student from the time uh, that he started off. But he'll tell you, you know, I was a real poster child for bad behavior growing up. Says how he used to smoke Daha uh, as a kid, how he impregnated uh, someone, uh, a, a couple of, of, of ladies along the way in, university and high school. So, you know, I'll tell you guys, um, my life was not clean. Yes, I did manage to to turn it around and to, you know, to change things over. But don't look at me and think like, hey, I've got hard, I've gone through this nice, um, you know, concrete path um, that's, you know, glittering of, of white marble. It's been, it's been, it's been a, a road that has involved doing a lot of mistakes and learning from those mistakes. So those, there were some real things that uh, people told me. I mean, Osman Abi told me about his battle with first getting a stroke and then after getting a stroke and recovering, being told, okay, actually, now we need to tell you you also have cancer and you need to go through chemo and going through that and his board of directors coming and giving him a deadline to get well. Otherwise, they are going to change him. So there were some moments, deep moments that uh, people delved into that I made sure I capture in the book to show that these are people who have not lived uh, easy lives that you think that, oh, you know, these are people who were paid for their education. They had the right mentors and they had, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, slice of luck that we have not got. And uh, there are people who just made the best out of what uh, life threw out, threw at them. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we do need a bit of escapism here and there sometimes, especially if we're running yeah. big corporates and you're dealing right. with, you know, the figures and strategies and concepts. I want to move to the topic around around leadership because this book, yeah. as much as we're looking at CEOs and you know we're thinking the secrets of success, but we're also talking leadership. Take us through on 
academics and 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 leadership how what what role do academics play uh, in in being a leader we've seen mm. you know big ceos not necessarily having a university de- degree but mm. actually building businesses you know your steve jobs your your marks mm. and, and elons and so forth in sarafka's context how important is that for to have qualified um, um CEOs or to have some sort of an academic background you speak of uh Nyati, for instance i did read his book betting on a darky where he spoke about mm. him being an engineer and then moving into different spaces or mtn using that background so yeah. how important is that academics the, yeah. the that qualification yeah so talking about mtetro nyati one of the questions i asked him is are leaders born or are leaders made right mm-hmm. is a leaders a product of nature or are they a product of nurture and one thing he says which i agree with is it's probably a bit of both um if you look at many of the the leaders that we that i have in the book they basically had some sort of knack for leadership from even a young age you know someone like isaac shongwe talks about how um he used to sell in the township how he used to take stuff um and, and and go go around selling uh, Alex and so on someone like uh, Sandy Lezungu you know he was quite entrepreneurial from a young age he was able to combine his mother's his mother was a, a nurse and she would bring back empty containers from the clinic his dad worked for an oil refinery and there was a lot of wasted oil so he found a way of packaging the wasted oil and selling it right so uh, Shamil Joseph of Vodacom he basically had divided the his his, his crash into different uh, sections and he had people who were selling uh, sweets for him he'd buy them in bulk and he'd then get kids who are fellow appoint kids as salesmen so i mean they had mm. a knack for for doing things that were different from their from their fellow kids but they are all people i would say without a doubt they are all people who nurtured their leadership uh, capabilities and one way of nurturing that was of course education and education comes in two ways one there's the academic education so lots of them have some form of academic qualification right um or, or i think all of them actually have an academic qualification i mean the the best example there being um chris van der merva who's the founder of the kuro schools africa's largest a private uh, you know tertiary school uh, uh, group and uh, he of course went all the way and did a phd and the, and and he's he's of course you know an academic edward kiswetter is also a professor um, there are people who uh, have studied he even owns a university you know da vinci institute a private university he's the majority shareholder so he's a big believer in academics but there are those who um, have done and and consistently do look for um places in order to to engage uh on an academic level it may not be a degree as such but some who are telling you about the benefits of an MBA some who have done you know uh, executive education and the benefits they are uh, they talk about they are not just the things that they learned but also the networks that they built out of that because when you go sup- uh, supposed to France and you're doing a three month uh, executive education the people you're sitting around the room with are also ceos of big corporations and you're sharing and you're networking and you're learning from each other uh, and that has been beneficial for their leadership journey 
that that is incredible. That's incredible. And and I fully agree around the the formal and informal education consumption because you know it's not a guarantee that if you have a degree, especially in, in in our country, that if you have a degree and have a university education, you will actually get a, a job or succeed moving forward. And and just in closing, in in terms of that, you have someone who has a degree who who is working with aspiring for top management positions. Are there any uh, tips perhaps that you could give to such a a listener or a person who who says, I want to be an entrepreneur one day. I want to be a CEO one day. I remember reading yeah. Mabunda's book also. He has that encouragement to say, look, if you want to get to that top floor, these are the things that you must do. So yes. for you, any tips along those lines to someone yeah. who's aspiring? Yeah. There are lots of tips, and I ask people, "How did you get to where you got to? How, wh- wh- why were you uh, different?" So, um, first of all, you need to have the desire for leadership. One thing that uh, Sandy Lezungu says, for example, is that not all of us have the desire for leadership, or we hope leadership will come our way, but we are not as determined to be leaders, to be you know thought leaders, to be entrepreneurs, and so on. There are people who are very happy, um, which is fine. There are some people who are very happy to. Uh, do their work from eight to five and at five o'clock they want to log off. Don't call me. Uh, don't get in touch with me. I've, I've done my work. I've given you my eight hours that you're paying me for. Uh, you've told me what your job description is, what, what my job description is. And I've done, I've done my, my, what you're paying me for now at the end of the month, give me what we agreed. You know, I gave you 40 hours, pay me for my 40 hours and let's move on. So people are, who are happy to just do a job and that's it. Right. So first, you have to have the desire for leadership. Right. You must aspire. Mm-hmm. Secondly, some people don't have that aspiration because they believe that they do not belong in leadership. Right. A, a great example is the CEO of uh, Momentum Metropolitan, uh, Jeanette Marais. She talks about how when she walked into Momentum uh, many years ago, there was no women. Um, there was just no women in, in management. And she was like, rather than say, hey, you know what? Uh, clearly, this is no space for me, right? She, she saw it the other way. She said, wow, I have the opportunity to be the first female uh, leader of this organization, right? So same thing. She, she talks about this. It's her own way. She says, if you're a black person, for example, you go to an organization and it's fully white, right? Don't say, oh, I don't belong here. I say, ha, these people need me, right? They need me. Mm. So flip the script. Don't have that imposter syndrome, as it's called, where you actually think that, oh, in this space, there's no people like me, so I don't belong. Say, okay, this space does not people does not have people that like me, then therefore they need me, right? They need me because I'm different from them. I can bring something different to the table. And you need to identify what your individual differentiator is because every single person and that's why we have a, a different fingerprint. Mine is different from you and from everybody else who has ever lived because of our uniqueness, right? So uh, what unique attributes are you going to bring that can be beneficial and that these people can see, oh, okay, wow, 
right? Hey, Casey is bringing something that we've never seen before. He's got this thing about him that can take our business to the next level and how can we benefit from that? So those are the things that, uh, I mean, I can go on and on. You'd have to read the book for everything in there, <laughs> but there's a lot there that is advice. And I ask, you know, give me an advice. If uh, someone who's reading this book, so that you ask the people who would benefit from reading this book, of course, people who aspire to leadership, they could be at a, at a student level or they could be in entry level or middle mid-level management, I think they will benefit from it. I think for leaders as well, people who are in management and managing teams can also benefit from my book because as I've said, as, as we've talked about in the past 40 minutes, there's lots of examples of people who give their leadership tips for people who are leading and are struggling. I mean, there's, there's a leader of EY, um, the CEO, Ajahn Sita, who talks about culture as being the number one thing that you need to look at when you're leading people. Don't try and bring in all these other policies and this is the routines that we are going to follow. This is the systems. If your culture is not right, if that liquid that flows through your entity that thought process is not is not there. The culture is not one, for example, of innovation. It's not a culture of, uh, of of equality or whatever. Then all the things that you're going to try and you know shove down the throats of people is not going to work because they are not culturally aligned uh, in terms of how your organization wants to operate. So yeah, so those are the people I think who can benefit from from reading my my book. Wonderful, wonderful. I've had a great great conversation uh, with you. I've learned a lot and reaffirmed uh, my belief in, in leadership, specifically corporate leadership. And we hope that uh, other types and forms of leadership, especially in our public sector, would also read the book to, to just yeah. get those nice uh, secrets of success and, and build themselves quite uh, positively. Uh, so we've come to the end of our conversation with the fantastic author. Thank you very much for everybody for listening in. We were in conversation with uh, Casey Chasana, who is the author of the wonderful book, The CEO X Factor, Secrets for Success from South Africa's Top Money Makers. 31 CEOs, and like he said, 31 days (laughs) in a month, you can get through it quite nicely. The book is published by Jonathan Ball, and it is available at all good bookstores uh, nationwide. So get yourself a copy, get your colleague a copy, get your boss a copy, get your neighbor a copy, so that we all get to understand what creates a leader and some of the unique uh, attributes that lead towards creating a big corporate with uh, a form of ethical leadership also at the driving seat. All right. Thank you very much, uh, KC. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of PageCast. We love hearing from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, please contact us at pagecastpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading and listening.